0: The writer Annie Dillard once said that how you spend your days is, of course, how you spend your life. And did you know that the average person here in America, over the course of their lifetime, will work roughly 90,000 hours? And if we work 90,000 hours over the course of our lifetime, then it would make sense that we spend at least the next half hour and discuss how does our faith work with our work. If you picture this morning's message as a home, having a home addressed, this really is going to live at the intersection of faith and work. Having been a pastor for about 16 years, a common question or discussion I have is, how is it that our faith impacts our work? And then on the reverse, how does our work? impact what we believe in our faith. Too often I see people and have discussions with people who then think there are two separate worlds. There is a sacred world, there is my personal faith, and then there is a secular world or my public workplace. And we tend to keep those things separate. But our faith is not just something for the weekend, it's not just something for a Sunday morning but really exists to shape every moment and every day of our lives. And so we want to speak into that today. Because here today we are in week two of a series called Soundtracks, Finding a Better Better Rhythms for Your Life. And similar to how a soundtrack is a song that gets repeated in your head, what we're saying as a basis for our series, and we define it this way a soundtrack is a thought that often gets repeated in your mind. And now we have good soundtracks and we have negative soundtracks and last week as a basis for our series we talked about the mindset that you have going into each and every day and that we need to regularly proof the playlist of your mind that you might not have put a thought or a song in there but you do have the ability to proof or to edit the songs or the thoughts that are in your playlist for everyday life And so today we want to try to spend the next few minutes addressing the playlist or the thought life when it comes to faith and work. And so if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down, that your work matters to God and therefore God should matter to your work. Your work matters to God and God should matter to your work. And so we're going to break down these two categories in this way, that the fact that your work matters to God, we're going to try to establish Really, a theology of work. Theology means study of God. And so when we are taking a look at a theology of work, we're saying, how does God care about what we do each and every day? Like, where does that come in? What are the scripture principles that should apply to our lives? And we're going to share three kinds of work that worships God. And then we're going to get real practical and talk about how then God should impact your work and influence your work. And we're going to share four ways or four reasons... That God cares and impacts and influences your work that should change the soundtrack that you have, not just today on Sunday, but as you head into work tomorrow on Monday. So let's go ahead and dive in together and spend these next few minutes breaking down this concept of work and really giving a theology of work. Because usually we think of it in two separate categories. Well, there's church and then there's work and in reality, everything is sacred to God, and God cares about all those things. And, and I know that because it's from the very beginning. It's from the very beginning. Because your work matters to God. Writer and entrepreneur, Jordan Raynard, puts it this way. He says these words. He says, an entrepreneur is anyone who takes a risk to create something new for the good of others. You see three components here. It's anyone who creates something new to take a risk for the good Of others. Now, considering that definition, let's read the very first couple verses of our Bibles found in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, the very first verse reads this In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And here's what's interesting. It's God, Alpha and Omega, knows all things. The God of past, present, future. And he knew that through creating the world, he knew that it was in God's plan that that we were going to fall short and that the only solution to us sinning and separating ourselves from God was for then him to come down, Jesus Christ, who was present there in creation, to come down and to die on a cross for your sins and for mine. And so the question is, if we consider that definition of what does it mean to be an entrepreneur, is to risk something. Well, what did God risk when he created the world? Everything. God was perfectly content in his relationship of the Trinity. God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So when he spoke the words, let there be light, in a way, he was also condemning Jesus to the cross because he knew what was going to unfold And so God risked everything to create something new, the universe, for the good of others. So we can honestly say that God was the first entrepreneur. The first person to risk it to create something that was going to help others. But he doesn't stop there. He creates the world and then he creates mankind. But I want you to notice what the Bible says, what Genesis one Tells us about the creation of men and women. Verse 26, it says, Then God said, let, let us make man in our image and after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish and of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps on earth. Uh, bugs, um, and okay, more than that, but it just they pretty creepy. Anyway, um, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now notice this next verse, verse 28. He creates us in verse 27. It says, and God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on earth. And so the first thing that God does when he creates us in his image, is he gives us a job. God creates and then he creates us in his image, so it makes sense that naturally there is a desire in us to create. And what's also interesting is when you consider the creation story, don't just think about what God created, think also about what God did not create. Why did God leave some things for us to do? I believe he did so because he invited us into the process. He created the universe as we know it, but he didn't create smartphones. He left that for us to do. Things like technology and and medical advances. Everything from farming to healthcare to education. He invites us into the work. So he creates all of the animals But rather than name them, he gives us the job of naming them. So being made in his image and likeness, he invites us into his work. And so we see that God cares about work. He gives Adam and Eve a job, and this is before sin even enters the world. So we know that God values work because before sin even came into the picture, we were given a job to do. And then all throughout Scripture, we see that God cares about our actions and everything that we do. 1 Corinthians 10 31, whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do it all to the glory of God. The idea of whatever you do and do all, There's are two ways of saying everything counts. Have you ever been in a class and says, hey, teacher, is this going to be on the test? This verse tells us everything's on the test, like everything's there. Like he's like, this counts, this counts, but in this section of your life, do whatever you want. No, he wants everything. Because if God is not Lord of all in your life, of everything in your life, then you have to ask yourself, is God even Lord at all? (laughs) If we don't give him everything, then are we really giving God anything? Because he cares about every portion of your life, and that includes what you do and how you work. Colossians 3.23 put it this way. It says, whatever you do, same phrasing there, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. And what's interesting about this passage is that Paul's writing this letter to the church in Colossae and has people gathered together and there are political rulers and there is white-collar and blue-collar workers and then there's also slaves in the mix. And so right before this verse, it talks about masters and slaves and it says, and all across the board, no matter what you do, do it for the glory of God. And we're going to come back to that a little bit later in this morning's message. But for right now, just notice that God cares about everything. Even our identity, we're connected to the very work of God. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, Ephesians 2.10. He says, for we are his workmanship, created. we are a work of art, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So he invites us into the work, that he invites us into serving others for the good of the world that God has called us in to steward and take care of. And then we see Peter is writing a letter to the church. He says this in 1 Peter 2.9. He says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession. So we're all in ministry. There's maybe vocational ministry, like maybe not everyone might be called to be a pastor. But in this passage, everyone is called to be a part of the royal priesthood. In other words, every single person here is called to do what? It says here in that verse, to proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And then as you work, there are spoils, there are rewards, there are riches for your work, but then God doesn't say those are for us either. That even the resources that we have, the riches that we have, God has a purpose for those things. And so Paul's writing to to Timothy, and in 1 Timothy 6, a few verses earlier, he says, fight the good fight of faith, and gives a charge to those who have the resources before them. He says, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. He says, they are to do good, to be rich in good works to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. I love that phrasing at the end, to take hold of what life really means. Now, we've seen in Genesis 1, before sin enters the world, that God gave us a job to do. And then we see throughout the scriptures that God values our work but spoiler alert, God wins in the end. If okay, We have access to the end of the movie. And God gets rid of sin and throws Satan and all who have rejected God into the lake of fire and then creates a new heaven, a new earth. So finally we get to retire and play shuffleboard together, right? And do man, the pickleball, pickleball tournaments in heaven are going to be sweet, right? But I want you to notice how God actually describes the new heaven and new earth. He says this in Revelation 21, verse 2. So sin is no longer in the picture. And he says, and I saw, and he's talking about John the writer here, he says, I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Well, if it's described as a city, and it goes on in chapters, in chapter 21 and 22, to describe the facets and relationships that we have with one another, and talks about a river of life, and there's, there's jewelry, there's, there is light, there's, there's a street of gold, there's all these different aspects, then we can understand that a city requires work. And so before sin enters the world, there is work. Then we are called God's workmanship, created to do good works. And then after sin exits the world, and all that is left is us and God, then we're called to even a greater work. And so we know this, that God cares about what we do. And that it's not secular and sacred, that everything is sacred. Let me just run through a couple characters in the Bible because God works through all kinds of professions. And if you want to note these later, again, visit that digital bulletin there on missiongrowth.info. But let me just run through some of these characters in the Bible. Joshua was in the military. Ezra was a scribe. Elisha was a farmer. David was a shepherd who became a king. Daniel worked in education and in politics. And then Jesus Christ himself was a carpenter. Think about that. He didn't start his earthly ministry until he was about 30 years old. And so a majority of his life was actually spent working. Now, parents, if you are a parent of a teen or a young adult, I'm about to give something that's going to help you. And you can take this phrase, steal it, use it, and bring it home, because here's the truth. You ready for it? Even Jesus got a job. Think about that. If anybody had an excuse, if anybody had a reason not to work, it would be the savior of the world. But he spent a majority of his time working, and guess what? We don't really have much writing about that. We don't have, like, furniture that's in existence today that i'm aware of that's like crafted by jesus if so it's got to be pretty awesome right but you know what that tells me it tells me that god loves work and god even loves the jobs and the things that we do that others don't see that all of our work in some way shape or form tells the world who we worship So let me share with you three kinds of work that truly worships God. That when we see from Scripture, when we see this theology of work, when we see that God cares about what we do, we find in Scripture the three categories of work that matter to God. Number one, work that worships God is work that creates. That as a Christian or as a little Christ, as God created the world for many of us, He puts, God puts in our hearts the desire to create something. And maybe it's in the form of the arts and song or story or writing or music. But maybe it's in a business. Maybe it's an idea. Love watching the show Shark Tank with my kiddos. Why? Because people get this idea in their head and think, oh, this, I'm going to risk something for the good of the world. We're going to bring an idea or a function or a process to move mankind forward. Now, we're still the same broken world, so there's still all kinds of issues. But that desire actually worships God when we create something. But the second form of work that worships God is work that cultivates. Because when I say that God has called us to create something, some of you are like, eh, not me. (laughs) But if the world was only filled with entrepreneurs, businesses would start and then fall right away. And so our world needs people to steward, to manage, to make better, to make healthier, to invest in, to build and connect. And so those that are called to steward what God's placed in their hands and what God's placed in front of them Matters. Because we get better and we honor God and we worship God when we steward what God has placed before us. And so, work that worships God is like is work that creates, work that cultivates, and thirdly, work that cares. Work that cares. Work is not separate from our emotions, but attached to it. And so, there's a fulfillment that comes. When we take care of what God has placed before us, you see, the idea of work, sometimes we separate it, say, from our relationships. But some here watching today, your greatest contribution to this world might not be something you do, but a person you raise, or the relationships and friendships that you build. Because God has placed that person, that child, that spouse, that sibling, that family member, the, those co-workers before you. And so how you treat somebody matters. Or you think of education or in healthcare, how you care for somebody, whether it's in the beginning of days or the end of days, matter. Think about lady who took in Moses in the basket and could have discarded the baby but brought the baby in the household and then ended up bringing in someone to take care of that baby who ended up being his mom and so got to go through and so like God cares about those who nanny God cares about those who serve because you are stewarding the most precious gift a person of God made in his image you think about the life of Mary who was exalted and joseph and and teaching jesus a trade and 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 raising him up that god cares how we parent god cares how we treat one another so that you see in these three categories work that worship god is work that creates that cultivates that cares guess what that means all of work can fit into one of those three categories if you do it for God's glory and not your own. Because when you give your best in that email, in the one-on-one, in that meeting, in the presentation, in the serving coffee, in the scrubbing the toilet, in like across the board... Whether you're CEO, or you're the janitor on staff, or you're middle management, or you're going through, that how you set the chair, how you plug in the cord, how you do it, that matters. And you know it's true. Because have you ever gotten a cup of coffee, and the person you know didn't like their job? (laughs) Good morning. What? What? Like, how you speak to people matters, right? I was reminded of that the other day when I was hanging out uh, with my buddy Brody. We shared his, Brody's story uh, a year ago online. I encourage you to visit that. And, and Brody has this love for life. And we were at Circle K. And, and sometimes the employees at Circle K are happy. Sometimes they're not. I'll just leave it at that. And the lady was just there at the cash register. And Brody, we're just getting gas and some slushies. And we're walking out, and right before we walk out, Brody looks at her and goes, hey, I want you to know something. And I'm like, oh, Brody, what are you going to say, buddy? (laughs) And he looks right at the lady, and if he's watching right now, hey, Brody, he looks right at the lady and says, I want you to know that you're beautiful, God loves you, and I hope you have a great day. And her whole countenance changed, and there was just this warmth in this conversation, and we walked out, and we enjoyed our slushies, and we moved forward. And just one sentence and one moment can change the countenance of people's day. You know when you have somebody who enjoys their job, don't you? You know when somebody cares about their work. It matters. Excellence matters. Effort matters. Why? Because our work matters to God. But also, we need to understand that God should matter to our work. And let's get real practical here, because I understand some of you might be distracted or thinking about that big presentation you have this week, or that meeting, or that trip coming, or the sales call, or whatever that might be coming up. Or if you're teachers, you're like, just get to June already. (laughs) It's okay, parents get it too. Like if you have to pack a lunch or a snack, that you start out and you're like cutting things in shapes, and by the end of the year, it's like, what do we have? Here you go. (laughs) Right? I mean, it's true. It's just, we, we're, we're all tired at the end, all tired. Kids are ready to be done. Teachers are ready to be done. Parents, although parents are scared for the summer at the same time, right? But everything matters, and God matters. So let me share with you four ways that God matters to our work. Number one, our faith gives us meaning to the work. Christians should behave differently in the workplace because our identity doesn't come from the workplace. This is really important because it's really easy for work to become your identity and then your idol. The problem with that is what happens if you get success, now you become prideful, and if you lose that job or the business fails, now you become broken. And when you attach your identity to what you do, you ride the roller coaster of where that goes. And there's no different in ministry, by the way, right? I'll go to a pastor's conference. They're like, oh, hi, nice to meet you, nice to meet you. Like, what do you do? I'm this. What do you do? Okay. And the next question tends to be, oh, how many people are at your church? And then it becomes, well, okay. (laughs) And it, it goes across the board, doesn't it? that we so often attach what we do with who we are that we get lost. And so some people, they retire and they don't know who they are. Or if your identity is in raising kids, your kids move out of the house and then where's the relationship at that point? Or you get a job and your business fails or it has to go bankrupt or, or you get acquired and the job changes or the market changes or the world gets hit with a pandemic. Okay, that will never happen. Oh wait, it did. Right? And everything changes, and you're left wondering, who am I? Having faith in God in your life is that for me, my identity is not as a pastor, but as a child of God. And with my identity be secure, I don't have to live for my identity. I can live from my identity. And so as a child of God, I am loved as I am right now. And then, therefore, I can celebrate and walk in and worship God through my calling to be a pastor and to do the things of ministry. So faith and God gives us meaning to our work. But second, God gives us motivation for our work. He gives meaning even to the small tasks. In fact, there are no small tasks to God. God cares about those little things. God cares about changing the diaper at two in the morning. He cares about being fully honest in that report. You might be doing a job that you hate, but God might have you there for a reason. God might put you on the road to come across to someone so that you could be the good Samaritan. God might have you in this place so that you can usher in the kingdom of God in your world. You might not be able to change the entire world, but you can change somebody's world. And so pause for a moment and think, who's in my world right now? Who's on the other end of that meeting, that email, that chain? The students in your classroom, the patient on your hospital floor, the family members who come to visit the patient on the hospital floor. That what you do in and around the meal, or going for a walk, or cleaning up someone's house. See, all the tasks, here's what's great, is that when we are motivated by glorifying God, everything counts. At that point, there is ministry when we value excellence. Tim Keller was having, a pastor in New York City, was talking to a pilot, and the pilot came to him and said, "Hey, uh, Pastor Keller, how? What does it mean to be a Christian pilot?" And his response was really deep. He said, "Land the plane." Right? Do your job. Do what you've called, been called to do, but do it well and then treat people well. See, it gives us the third component here. Faith gives us a moral compass. Faith gives us a moral compass. So not just what you do, but how you do it matters. A good leadership principle is this, that we are called to work twice as hard on our character as our competency. Because there'll be times, and we've seen this in our world today, where someone's capacity or competency surpasses their character, and then they have a major fall. (laughs) And our world celebrates success and fame, but just as much celebrates train wrecks and failures. That's why you see moral failures and things just plastered all over the news sites, because our world will celebrate you and lift you up and idolize you in one moment and then turn and stone you the next for the sake of the new cycle. But for Christians, it's not just what we do, but how we do it. You know, I think about uh, our car place. I'll give a little plug for Integrity Auto. It's probably important that you have integrity, right, at an auto mechanic place. Well, they, I, they lived that out, because one time we had work done on our car, we paid for it, and then a couple weeks later, he called back and said, hey, I just want you to know that this one piece was actually on warranty, and so I'm just calling you to let you know I'm going to refund you this money. When, you, when have you had a mechanic call you to say, we're going to give you back money for something that's already been done? So your integrity matters. matters. And lastly, God gives us a sense of marvel. Now, marvel, we tend to think of it as a verb, to marvel at something. But marvel is also a noun. It is a person or experience that causes wonder and awe. And here's the beauty for Christians in the workplace is that we can always stand and hope and dream of a better future. Because you might not get this promotion that you're longing for. You might not complete the story that you think God's called you to write. You might not complete the masterpiece that God's laid on your heart. You might not reach the size of audience that you think God has called you to. But I'm here to tell you that one day you will realize and see the fulfillment of all desires of your heart when it comes to God in heaven. And that desire for a better world is ultimately fulfilled in eternity with God where there will be a workplace without any sin. There will be production and fulfillment and meaning and joy that comes ultimately and only found in God and so, here we find ourselves in between. In the back, I'm going awesome, to jump in the back here. Because here we find ourselves in the story of God. And the story of God has four major chapters. There's creation. then there's the fall where sin enters the world. And much of the Old Testament is filled with mankind trying to make it on their own and falling short. And then Jesus comes down and provides redemption on the cross, and rises again on the third day, giving us access to forgiveness, eternity, meaning, purpose, joy. And then he says, I'm coming back. And one day there will be ultimate restoration. And so here we find ourselves between chapters three and chapters four. So there's already availability to redemption, but then there's not yet complete restoration. And so what God is doing is God is inviting us into that story, into the ministry of reconciliation, into the ministry of restoring to how it's meant to be. And so you can invite God into your world and you offer yourself into God's world and now you say, you know what? I'm gonna make my little corner of God's kingdom better. I'm gonna care for my students and know them by name. I'm gonna go above and beyond what my employer asked me to do. I'm gonna give it my best, and if I'm gonna make a mistake, I'm actually gonna own it instead of blaming somebody else. And then together, we're gonna make someone's day. Whether I'm serving a cup of coffee, whether I'm filling out a spreadsheet, whether I'm starting a business, or I'm taking care of someone's kids well they're starting a business, whatever the role is. We get to be a part of the restoration process of the world while already having experienced the redemption found in Christ. And so that when we see it, when we see God, we can marvel at what's to come and we see him working presently in our lives and that the world can look at us and see something different. Because at the end of the day, Your work matters to God. And therefore, God should matter to your work. Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that for everyone here today, I pray that we can find meaning in you, that we can find motivation in you and a moral compass of how we treat people, that we can marvel. And worship the marvel that is you, and that we can work with excellence, that there are no small tasks before you. And God, we invite you into the workplace and we give our work lives to you. May what we do during the week and every day honor you and worship you and tell your story. God, you value work from the beginning to Jesus himself, to you, God. In the end, you invite us to be a part of your restoration of the world. And so God, let us usher in your kingdom and view our work as a form of worship. That whatever the profession is, we do it for your glory and not our own. Their identity is not wrapped up in what we do, but who you are and therefore because we are secure in who we are it frees us to go after all that we do because we're doing it for you we are doing it as an act of worship as an act of sacrifice how we treat people what we say what we write how we serve we follow your example Jesus we know that no task is a small task in your eyes And we ask that you come into our world and into our workplace and let us live out our faith with how we love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And as we love others the way you have loved us, help us, God, to create in your name. Help us to cultivate in your name and help us to care for those around you as you have cared for us. We love you and we give our work to you. Help us to trust you with this new soundtrack, this new way of viewing what we do throughout the week. We lift our workplaces up to you and your sons, and we pray, amen.